Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by, it's the sponsor of the summer, baby, betonline.ag. And look, basketball, hockey, it's over, but baseball's marquee matchups are still here. And BetOnline's got you all set up with all of its prop bets, futures, odds, news, and information for all your sports betting needs. So what are you waiting for? Visit the website today or go on your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, you're on online sportsbook experts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming into the pod today happy to bring back a returning guest he's the host of believe in bulls and we're going to talk a little hoops and we're not just going to be talking about the nba finals we're actually going to be talking about chicago bulls basketball what they could or could not be doing in the offseason it's nick schultz hello nick Joey, thanks for having me back. I'm really glad we're not talking baseball and we're talking basketball. <laughs> I'm a Cubs fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think we're also going to skip over the USA trouncing over Iran uh, last night, finally getting a win on the board during the Olympics here. That's probably a conversation for another day. I wanted to bring you on to talk about the Chicago Bulls because we have an offseason. We have a free agency coming up, a free agency coming in August, which is still uh, very strange for me. But before we get into personnel moves and what AK and Eversley are thinking, I just want to ask you, in general, what would you say that you learned from Giannis and the Bucks winning the NBA Finals that in any way can maybe be imparted upon a Bulls fan in terms of how we're going to try and build this team back up into a contender? Oh, you're starting out with a with a fastball here. I mean, first of all, I'm a big Giannis fan. I was telling you before we got started, he's my favorite non-Bull in the NBA. He has been since Stacey King was calling him Giannis Arambo, to give you an idea. That's how long I've been a Giannis fan. I'm not a Fairweather fan. And I think the way he carries himself, it can be a really good lesson for NBA players and even like NBA fans to realize like they don't have to be the flashy, like Michael Jordan type where they walk around like I'm the best. Like I know we talk about Michael's mentality of I'm the best. I'm going to go out there and be the best night in, night out. That's a great mentality. But the way Giannis approaches it too with the humility and he went on the whole speech about ego and whatnot a couple weeks ago and how he's humble. Like, I think that aspect from a personality standpoint, but also the way he plays the game, he's aggressive and Bulls fans can learn once you get a piece to build around Patrick Williams, baby, that could be the future. And you just have to have patience. It's not always going to be super teams. It's not going to be the Miami heat with LeBron, Bosch and Wade or the warriors with KD, Steph, Clay, Draymond. Giannis even said he could have gone to a super team and didn't, and he did it the hard way. And sometimes the hard way is more rewarding, honestly. Well, you just hit that fastball right back up the middle because that's kind of what I was leaning towards was we can play with the tale of two narratives from the NBA season. Narrative A, all the stars were injured. The Suns and Bucks maybe didn't quite deserve to make the finals. I don't really buy into that narrative. I don't don't buy into it at all. Yeah, there's, there's injuries every single season. And now with the NBA, the tradition of load management, everything, you know, it, it's more in the forefront of an NBA season than normal. This is, wasn't an outlier, in my opinion. But narrative B, in terms of what we just saw with the Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, look, Giannis, easy top five player. And right now you could probably make the case he's one, two right now in the NBA. Chris Paul's going to the Hall of Fame. I'm not trying to turn Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic into something that they're not. But it does kind of open the window a little bit, just lets a little bit of air in of the narrative of you package a team with a couple of all-stars, 
you make some smart moves around them, and suddenly you can be competitive in this modern NBA. Absolutely, and I think you're I think you're seeing the modernized front office of the Chicago Bulls kind of buy into that because you've seen Zach Levine. They said they're going to build around Zach, and then you're thinking, okay, did they say that? Are they going to bring him back? Well, then you go out and get Nikola Vucevic. Now, I'm no expert, but if you bring in Nikola Vucevic, you're not getting rid of Zach Levine. I mean, I think that's just the safe way to put it because let's mix references here. Levine and Vucevic are the Giannis and Middleton of this team now. I think that's the best way to put it because now you've got your two all-stars who you can build around. Now you can bring in like the Drew Holiday type, the glue guy, that one guy that's like, okay, this is what we need. I still think it's Lonzo Ball, the point guard, but I haven't beaten that dead horse for six months, seven months now. But my point is you can follow the blueprint. The blueprint is there from Milwaukee. Now, I think AK and Eversley were already kind of following a similar blueprint even before Milwaukee went and did what they did. I feel like that's kind of where things are going, where you don't have a super team. You have two all-stars like Giannis and Middleton, or in in the Bulls' case, Levine and Vucevic. And I think that can go the hard way, as Giannis puts it, of not winning with a super team. And I think that's the more rewarding way to go, I say it again. And the Bucks winning the title, I think, is good news for. I, I I don't. It's weird, but it's good news for Bulls fans because it shows that mm-hmm. it's possible, right? Now we're going to enter the pod where we're going to ask the women, the children, and maybe some people that are sensitive to perhaps maybe go into their rooms because we're going to drag that dead horse back out, Nick. Uh, we're bringing it out one more time because I want to talk to you about Lonzo Ball. If you go online, if you type in Lonzo Ball right now. He is literally attached to every single basketball team in the NBA right now. You can see, is he a good fit with the Mavericks? Could we? Could you see a sign-in trade with Malcolm Brogdon in Indiana? So on and so forth. You've been talking about it for a long time. The interest appears to be there and appears to be mutual between the Bulls and Lonzo Ball. What do you think the chances are of the Bulls perhaps signing him and bringing him in? And just talk about a little bit more, reiterate to listeners why you think he'd be such a great fit for this team. Well, I think the, the clarity of the picture of Lonzo to the Bulls, it's kind of coming into shape because New Orleans went out and made this trade, which out of freaking nowhere, by the way, this trade oh, that I, that's so such, I, the weird trade, this, this trade, this trade is the reason why I have tweet notifications on for Woj and Shams already. Usually I don't do that until like free agency starts for, for real. No, I'm, I started now because I got the alert that, Jonas Valanciunas is going to New Orleans and Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe are going to Memphis. They swap picks. And I'm like, holy hell. But at the same time, what this did was it created more cap space for New Orleans so they can get Kyle Lowry or match an offer sheet for Lonzo Ball. Now, if they go path A, as I call it, and go after Kyle Lowry, Lonzo's free. That's the path where he's going to the Bulls. I think that's just the clearest path. Option B is they match an offer sheet for Lonzo and AK and Mark Eversley are there going, okay. Now we got to reevaluate because I really think they need to go all in on Lonzo. And when I say all in, I'm not talking like the Blackhawks are where they're signing this guy to like 50 million and stands convincing Scotty to convince Rocky to sell the team. I'm not talking about all that. I'm talking about, I think they need to focus in on Lonzo as the answer at point guard and not overpay, but pay a reasonable price to bring him to Chicago and be the point guard that gets this offense running the way it should. And it begs the question, if it isn't Lonzo Ball, and if we're looking at the Chicago Bulls team right now and we're asking ourselves what's the most important piece probably to this team, and I think we're both in agreement that someone that can run this offense, someone that can facilitate, look, Kobe White's a great scorer. 
He also has a shoulder issue. He's not. He might not be healthy when the season starts. He really struggled with his ball handling and facilitating the offense. He tried really hard. He's either not ready or he's not capable. And this team needs to start winning games now. So my question for you is, for all the people that don't want Lonzo Ball in the Chicago Bulls, what's the backup plan there? Well, there are a couple options, and it feels like any point guard target the Bulls are linked to. Like, I heard I heard Kyle Lowry's name attached to the Bulls. I'm sitting there going, really? Why? Well, I think why, why would I think, Kyle, real quick, why do you think Kyle Lowry would even want to be on the Chicago Bulls? You would think at 35 years old he would go to at least a contender, which I think would knock him out of the New Orleans situation as well. I don't think he would want to come to Chicago. That's the thing. That's why I'm confused. I'm like, why of all of all the point guards out there, Kyle Lowry's attached. But that shows the way things are with the Bulls right now. They need a point guard. So any name out there, you're going to see Woj, Brian Winhorst, Shams, Chris Haynes. are all going to say, oh, well, the Bulls could be a place for this guy. The Bulls could be looking at this guy because they need a point guard. And you've seen they're aggressive. You don't trade for Nikola Vucevic. If you're not trying to be aggressive and win in the, I won't, I don't want to say immediate future, but in the near future, you don't make that trade if that's your mentality. So now when you have names like this, like, oh, you can't rule out Chicago for a guy like Kyle Lowry. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think there's a snowball's chance in Guam, but that's just the nature of the market. You hear Dennis Schroeder's name thrown around. He worked with Billy Donovan in Oklahoma City. You've heard a couple other names. I heard, I heard DeMar DeRozan's name thrown around the other day too, which that one, Caught me off guard. I got to look more into that one. But any point guard name, it's going to be attached to the Bulls. And if Lonzo, if they can't get Lonzo, maybe Schroeder could be a good fit because he's played for Billy Donovan in the past. But I'm not sure I'm a big fan of his game necessarily, how it translates into the offense. But again, there's a connection with Billy Donovan. Maybe he'll make it work. So there's going to be a lot of wait and see. I think the once the first domino falls with Lonzo, everything's going to fall into place no matter where he ends up. Um, you, you mentioned something here in your in your last perspective that I'm curious about, and I think it's worth getting it on the board right now because this is a bit of an off-season primer that I'm doing with you, Nick Schultz, the Believe in Bulls host for the Believe Podcast Network. How I mean, the mandate next year has to be to win, right? I'm not saying we all of a sudden go to the Eastern Conference Finals, but when you bring in a player like Vucevic, he's on that two-year deal. You're trying to sign Zach to the long-term deal. I know that the Bulls in general, have been preaching patience now since 1998. Uh, but the, the mandate... You can't use that because you got a new front office in here. We're done hearing about how Derek got hurt, by the way. Like, oh, that, no, that's, sure. I just love making that joke. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I totally get it, man. But like, I, as much as we want to continue to preach patience and all this other stuff, the mandate next year is to win, correct? And by that second year, we better become, if we're not a top five seed in the East, we're at least trying to win some rounds in the playoffs, correct? I mean, that has to be the objective of AK and Eversley. So yesterday, Shams reported that it's final. The play-in tournament is staying next year. So seed seven through 10 are in play. The bar for the Bulls next year is 60 or mm -hmm. higher. Don't back into the playoffs. Don't get in through the play-in tournament. It's playoffs or bust next year, especially if they go out and get a Dennis Schroeder or Alonzo Ball or DeMar DeRozan or some name like that to come in along with anything else they might do with the draft where I still think they'll trade up. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit, but the bar for me is sixth in the East and make the playoffs. Do not back into the playoffs. You got to make the playoffs. I completely agree with you. And we're at that point now, right? I mean, and you did bring up the Blackhawks making some crazy moves and it's been a really interesting week with the Blackhawks, 
But in a similar sense of they've been kind of um, pushing out this whole we're rebuilding, retooling, whatever you want. The, the phraseology of the Chicago Cubs, the Blackhawks, all this other stuff, they, they've been throwing that out there, but you've kind of seen the Blackhawks sort of realized, you know, we've got a two-year window here with Kane and Taves where we should actually probably be going for it. The Chicago Bulls now with the new front office, as you mentioned, they want to kind of make their stamp, make their impact on this franchise right away. So you would think also that they're going to be trying to push this envelope as hard as they possibly can. I want to stay in the backcourt a little bit, and you brought it up, my friend, but there are Derrick Rose returning to the Bulls rumors. Where are you on that? There's mutual interest. I'm on board with it. We're at a different place. He's at a different place. Maybe this could be a good fit. What say you? I love it. If not for the storyline aspect of it, but also I think, I don't know if he'd want to be a backup anymore, but he'd be a really good backup for Lonzo Ball. I'm just saying, have them both. Yeah, the best. You have, tell me, find me a better backcourt in the NBA. If you've got Lonzo Ball as your starter and Derek Rose as your backup, find me a better back, find me a better point guard. One, two. I don't know if you can. It'd be one of the best point guard one-two punches in the league, in my opinion, because Derek's playing at a high level again, which is so great to see. I said that when the playoffs started, I'll never root against Derek Rose. I love seeing him succeed, whether it's Chicago, New York, Washington, Philadelphia, Charlotte. I don't care. He could be playing for the big three, and I'd be rooting for Derek Rose to drop 50 a game. If he comes back to Chicago in some capacity, I would be all over it, and I would order a new jersey. I would. And we're kind of tiptoeing around it, but this all really clouds the future of Kobe White. What do you think happens to Kobe White this offseason? Obviously, he's hurt with the shoulder surgery. If the Bulls are looking to immediately upgrade that point guard position, where does Kobe White fit into all this? I think he could turn into kind of a combo. I think he could maybe slide into it'd be a backup role, but I think he'd be kind of like a backup two for now, kind of a combo guard and Maybe he could learn a few things from Lonzo if he comes in and learn a few things from Derrick Rose if he comes in, you know. There's a lot of learning he has to do. But, again, you talk about the cloudiness. The cloudiness came about when Kobe got hurt. Mm-hmm. So now we don't know if he's going to be ready by the start of training camp or even the season. There's a lot of unknowns there. If he had a full off season, I think we're having a little bit different conversation. But you got to plan. you got to plan for the worst and hope for the best. you got to plan for Kobe to not be available for opening night. And if that's the case and you're wanting to win now, you got to bring in a you got to bring in a stud. So I don't really know where things go with Kobe other than maybe kind of a combo guard and waiting or a two guard and waiting type of deal. I really don't know. A lot's going to be determined on how he comes back from this injury, this mystery injury. I feel like that he had surgery on. And that's the worst part about it, right? Is he could have been he still has value on the trade market if we wanted to go out there and explore different options. He easily could have been a piece that we could have packaged. Mm-hmm. That's probably off the table. And, man, I like Kobe White a whole lot. I love his personality. I truly think the dude cares and tries really hard. Now, does the try-hard mentality equal physical like results on the court yet? No, not necessarily. Is he also maybe sort of trending a little bit closer to that Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford, Ben Gordon-ish type guy off the bench maybe a little too early in his career? Perhaps I just named three guys that I like a whole lot that I would have on my NBA team. His career has just kind of gotten off to a, a slow start, even though I'm rooting for the guy wholeheartedly. You named three guys that I really like too. And if he ends up being a Lou Williams, like is the name that comes to mind because he's still playing, like 
that would be a good role. Like there's nothing wrong with coming off the bench. And especially if you can dominate off the bench and lead the second unit and come in and make an impact, it doesn't matter if you start or not, as long as you make an impact on the game, right? I mean, it's, it's cliche as hell, but I covered Porter Moser for four years at Loyola Chicago. And he used the Rick Majerus quote all the time that still sticks out. I can't, I cannot believe I'm quoting this right now, but it works in this conversation. It's the startings for high school mentality. Like it doesn't matter if you start as long as you make an impact on the game. Again, I, all my, any Loyola followers I have that are going to maybe listen to this, they're going to hear that and wonder what the hell is he doing quoting Rick Majerus right now, but it works in this, in this context. Cause I don't, I don't care if you start, if you come off the bench, it doesn't matter if you're sixth guy, seventh guy, whatever, as long as you make an impact on the game, there's nothing wrong with that. And I hope that that can be kind of imparted onto Kobe once he comes back from the injury, depending on what happens with the point guard position. That is still one of those weird cliches that still exists. Uh, I don't think it matters what, what sport you're playing. The whole pride and ego thing of starting the game. It's about being on the quarter of the field when the game ends, right? You want to be there in those crunch mm-hmm. time moments. So for if you are a guy like Kobe White, you want to, or a guy like a Ben Gordon who had a real problem with that for a really long time. Well, dude, you're in the game when it matters the most at the very end. Guess right. where all the highlights are going on ESPN? They're going at the end of the game. They're not going to show you like, and here's Ben Gordon starting the game. That's not going in the highlight, my friend. That's not how you get your name out there. That always kind of blew my mind. Uh, let's take it from the back court to the front court. It's kind of a two-parter here. What do you want the Chicago Bulls to do with Laurie Markkinen? And what do you think the Chicago Bulls will do with Laurie Markkinen? I want them to sign and trade him to get something. Mm-hmm. What I think they'll do, I have no earthly idea. I have no idea where they're going to go with Lowry because he was in trade talks at the deadline. And they were, was it New Orleans was wanting picks and the Bulls wouldn't give him picks and end up giving those picks to Orlando. So I really don't know what's going to happen with Lowry. I think he's played his last game in a Bulls uniform. And I I really don't know. I hope they sign and trade him so you get something for him. But, man, I, I don't know what they're going to do. You know, it, it's a lot. We don't know what the tendencies are of this front office still. We, this is the first full, and I want to say, quote-unquote, normal offseason. But it's really not a normal offseason. But this is the first full offseason after a season, I guess is the best way to put it, to see what approach they're going to take with everything. And I st- I think Lowry's done in Chicago. I don't know where he's going to go next, though. Yeah, as a follow-up, do you think it's fair to say, you're talking about trying to get the pulse in this new front office, that they're probably not Lowry Markkinen advocates or fans? Or do you just think the money's too high and too rich, the sample size is too murky, that from a business decision wise, it's probably best to just move on from him. Or as you mentioned, try and cash in for assets. I think the product on the court doesn't warrant what he was wanting. He bet on himself in the off season by not taking the offer and playing this last year. And I don't think he played to what he thinks he's worth. And that's why I think he's, he's good as gone. Now it's a matter of where and how will he leave? Cause he's a restricted free agent. So that kind of, limits a couple of things in terms of like, Oh, the bulls can match. I don't think they will. Let's say the bulls can match, et cetera, et cetera. They can do a sign and trade, which is what I'm hoping for. It's screaming Sacramento Kings, right? <laughs> I mean, this yeah. is just, <laughs> I mean, uh, I'll throw one out for you. Sign and trade Larry marketing for Marvin Bagley. Would you do it? Oh, for Marvin Bagley. I don't even know. My pet trade, my pet trade all summer long was, 
Kobe and Markkinen or some sort of version of that, maybe some other pieces for De'Aaron Fox. I just think the Kings aren't going to sign him long-term. I think Buddy Hield's already signed up. I think they like Halliburton a whole lot. That might be the move there that would kind of, you know, kind of shake the boat for both teams and kind of work. Markkinen just kind of fits that profile of long, lanky wing player that shoots threes. Uh, that's a Sacramento Kings soup du jour. Um, we also have to kind of see where Duncan Robinson ends up because they're kind of sort of similar players, even though Duncan Robinson probably has better shooting peripherals than Markkinen does. I'm with you. I'm just trying to figure out what that's what that spot is and can they get something back on next year's active roster that can actually tangibly help them. Exactly. It's going to be about getting something back. I don't I don't know if I want Lowry to just walk just because, again, you want to get something out of the guy. And who knows, that something could turn into a key piece. It could be a draft pick. I don't, I don't know. And again, it's going to be all wait and see. And it's, it's going to happen that he's leaving. It's a matter of how and when. Let's talk about some of the more, uh, some of the more side pieces on the Chicago Bulls right now. You know, do you see Tomas Sadoransky being on this team next year? Can they move on from El Farouk? I means $10 million contract. And also, do you think, do they have any chance of re-signing Daniel Tice, who had a great strong second half, or did he price himself probably out of our out of our range? Well, I'll start with Sadoransky, because I've even sat on my show a couple of times and following a couple of rumors. I don't think he's coming back. I want to say the deadline for his partial guarantee is Saturday. Mm-hmm. I want to say I saw uh, Rob Schaefer at NBC Sports Chicago put that out. Um, pretty sure that's coming up. And I don't think he's going to be on the roster. I think they're going to try and clear cap space. And I think he's going to be one of those cap casualties for lack of a better phrase. And there have been rumors. I want to say Boston's been thrown around and there are a couple others I heard. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Oklahoma city was one of them. And I, I hope the bulls can get something good for him. You don't want to just give him away. I mean, Sadoransky's not a bad player, but he's not your point guard. Like he's a point guard. He's, I think I've made this analogy with you. I made it with somebody. He's to the Bulls, Sadoransky is, what Nick Foles is to the Bears. He is the capable backup who can come in and save the day in a pinch, but can't start game in, game out. Like, that's Sadoransky. And I had high hopes for him, but I think I think he's gone because of the partial guarantee. Wouldn't surprise me if Al Farouk Aminu is still around. I know I've heard, I've been reading some stuff that makes it seem like he might stick around because he was playing well before he got hurt. And who was the other name you threw at me? Well, I was just saying uh, Daniel Tice is going to be a UFA. Daniel Tice, that he was played, it. He played yeah. great for the Bulls. Um, he might have priced himself out of our of our being able to reacquire him, though. I think I think he did. And I would love to have Daniel Tice back. I would. Like, I was really happy with how that trade worked out. But it's just it's going to be too expensive. And unless – he takes a pay cut or some miracle happens with the salary cap. I think he's gone. Unfortunately, let's talk about Marco Simonovic. Um, typically in the past, right? When guys come over from overseas, there's a steep, steep learning curve. Sometimes a lot of these guys are maybe a little bit, I don't want to use the word underweight, but a little bit slight need to fill out their bodies a little bit to be able to bang in the NBA game. You know, what, what is your take on Marco Simonovic? As we're learning, though, as we get through back, through further into the modern NBA, Euro players that come over can have an impact a lot quicker than they've been able to have, you know, even 10 years ago than, than previous. You know, I think 
Is it Simonovich? Is that how you pronounce it? I thought it was Simonovich. How Marco? Hey, yeah, well, well Marco. I think <laughs> as a Chicago Bull, I think every Chicagoan will mispronounce it one way or the other. So we're taking our first stabs at it. Oh yeah, it's because it doesn't end in ski. So <laughs> no, I, I'm just gonna call him Marco for yeah. this conversation at least, and then we can start talking maybe later about how sports radio callers are gonna mispronounce his name and everything, like they did Mitch Trubinsky. But <laughs> I, uh, I think I think Marco has a lot of he has a high upside. I like what he did in Europe this year. It felt like he took a step forward during the stash, and I, with Arturis's ability to see European talent and judge European talent. Just saying he found Nikola Jokic in the second round, turned into the MVP of the league. I trust AK's judgment with stuff like this. And I think, I don't know if he's going to be, you know, a fit like a glove type in this offense. It might take a little time, but I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued and I want to see it for myself type of thing. I'm hoping he plays in the summer league. I know the schedule just came out and whatnot, I'm hoping he's playing because I just want to see him play. Because, I mean, I've seen the highlights, but you can only get so much out of film you see on YouTube because it's all just, oh, he made a shot. Oh, he made a shot. Like, no, I want to see him play for myself and go from there. But I trust Carner- I trust AK's judgment. I do. Yeah, there was a report today that he's already at the Bulls practice facility. That's a good sign. a couple weeks. Yeah, for the last couple weeks. That's great news there. And And, look, I think Bulls fans probably need to be patient with him, as you've already just preached. And if he's a guy that can kind of come off the bench and maybe provide a little offensive spark or maybe, you know, provide a little grit there, you know, maybe take a step in the right direction and sort of see what we have with him moving forward and see if he can kind of grow within the system. You know, we've talked about players. We've talked about acquisitions. The point guard position, huge, huge, huge for the Chicago Bulls moving forward. Do you see AK and Eversley maybe making some – targeted decisions acquisition wise that we're not seeing that's going to make this team a more defensive team next year because I almost feel like with Billy Donovan's offense and some of the pieces that we have on the team the offensive side of the ball is pretty well covered I mean if you look up the rankings the Chicago Bulls now are I don't know a top eight maybe top 12 offense in the NBA that's good enough right but defensively it's a huge issue do you see them trying to maybe attack that area too as well? It might not be flashy for fans, but might lead to more victories when the games start. I don't think we roll anything out, to be honest with you. Like in a perfect world, you bring Daniel Tice back because he shored up the defense when he was in the game with the second unit, but he's a little expensive. And like I said, you'd need a miracle with the salary cap or him to take a pay cut. But I wouldn't rule anything out with this front office. They're going to do whatever it takes to get this team playing at the highest level it can. And I don't, again, I don't think I'd be saying this if they didn't trade for Nikola Vucevic at the deadline. I didn't see that coming. I'm sure you didn't see that coming. I think we talked about that when it happened that both of us almost dropped our phones when it happened. I was, I was, I'm a substitute teacher at the school in town. I was subbing a PE class and saw my phone. I almost dropped it in the middle of class. I'm like, what in the, I thought it was, I thought it was fake. I did. You blew your wits when you said, everyone stop. Everyone stop what you're doing. I have a bit of They were playing, they were playing volleyball. I had to make sure I didn't get hit in the head when I was walking through. (laughs) That's a, that's a true story. But yeah, with the, with the Vujovic trade, that shows a lot of where Arturis and Mark think this franchise can go in a short amount of time. You don't make that deal. If you're not trying to win in the next few years, now you don't rule anything out defensively speaking, offensively speaking. I don't care. I I think anything's on the table and I think you're going to see a completely different bulls team next year when the season tips off. 
Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's it's like the chicken and the egg a little bit, right? Where we want to get better defensively, but you're asking yourself the question, where are those defensive specialist players out there on the current NBA market? And you got to kind of like really do your research and see what happens. Or maybe just the team plays a little bit better team defense with more continuity next year. And a guy like Patrick Williams, who I think both of us is expecting to take a huge step forward, not just offensively, but defensively. I mean, I think we can kind of peg him as another guy that might be able to help us out in the area. Just real quick, still as excited about Patrick Williams as I am. I was so impressed with his rookie season. If you look at the back of the basketball card, you're like, why? What are you talking about, Joey and Nick? I don't understand it. But the way that he started cutting to the basket when Vooch would get in the post, his little floater game, I thought his shot was more impressive than what I thought it was going to be just watching the clips and the highlights after he got drafted. Um, you know, I, I, I like everything about the dude's game. How excited are you about Patrick Williams? I was very excited about him, and then I saw him block DeAndre Ayton like he did. He did it first before Giannis did, by the way. Patrick Williams was the he original. Giannis was the remake. He, he was the remix that they did. But I am a huge Patrick Williams fan, and I think he's got a ton of upside. I want to say he was, what, was he second team all-rookie? Did they do second team all-rookie? They did. And – I I think it's just the ceiling is the roof to quote Michael Jordan. His ceiling is way up there. And I'm really, really excited to see how he does in year two, you know, rookie year adjusting to the NBA. He didn't, this goes back to, he didn't start at Florida state. He was Leonard Hamilton's sixth man, which is essentially another starter in Leonard Hamilton's system, but he had to go from playing from Leonard Hamilton to Billy Donovan like that. And he went from coming off the bench to starting. So I think, he has a very high ceiling. I think he's going to take a huge leap forward, especially working out with Team USA like he's doing. I'm unbelievably excited to see what he does next. You're bringing up such a great point, too, and it kind of, uh, a light just kind of went on in my head, is so many times a guy comes in the NBA and he comes from a system where he has to be the man and he has to learn to get into and assimilate back into team-style basketball or just understanding that now you're the fourth guy because this is the NBA. You're not the man anymore with the ball in your hands. you got to play. Patrick Williams is the opposite. He's the inverse. He's the guy with all the skills in the world who we have to encourage to even play with the specter of being the man at times. And look, man, yeah, it's okay to take the ball, take a guy one-on-one if you have a good matchup and try and make something happen. You don't have to always just kind of fit in the gaps. You can create those gaps. You can be your own person. It is kind of a refreshing thing to see, and it's an interesting mix of when you say take the next step – of not just skill, but also confidence. If there's a coach for him to work with on that, it's Billy Donovan and Maurice Cheeks. We cannot forget Maurice Cheeks is on that bench too. I think the two of them are going to turn Patrick Williams into a really, really good player. We won't even think about what would happen if Jim Boylan was still around. Okay, we're going to spare that conversation because I don't want to talk about it. If, if it wasn't for Billy Donovan and Maurice Cheeks, I don't know if I'd be as excited about him. But with those two guys, I can't wait. I really can't wait for him to be a star in this league. I'm so excited. Now that you're bringing it up, I'm getting really excited for year two of Billy Donovan. Mm-hmm. Because we, we've been on this. You've been on my pod, and you've been talking on your pod. I think the first, what were they, 19 and 22, I think it was. I think that's right around when the collapse really started to happen. And this basketball team was playing pretty tight. I mean, defensively, not so great, but we were shooting the ball well. We were playing well offensively. The ball movement the way that, uh, you know, just kind of that handoff screen game with the circular kind of motion of how they were working their offensive scheme, it was working, and that's all Donovan's style. 
they brought in a bunch of new players and just it was almost just like you take you make one modification to the car now the car the car won't won't run you know what i mean and i i think in donovan's second year with more continuity i am just really really excited to see what he can possibly do with the chicago bulls teams moving forward i do want to ask you i'm out here in la so i'm not sure if this is getting into your ears from chicago but i gotta tell you can you just talk to anybody out there right now i i talk to a lot of lakers fans and i just go hey what are you gonna do in the offseason and they just start throwing around names like, you know what I mean, like the restaurants or something. Maybe I'll eat here. Maybe I'll eat there. I can't figure it out. And they're just like, you know, I don't know. We'll just probably go out and get Zach Levine and, you know, and, and load up. And they're they're not the only one. There are many teams out there, many teams and fans who just think we're just going to go get Zach Levine because the Bulls aren't good. And he, you know what I mean, that whole picking off picking off the, the vulturing off a bad team. Can we explain to all these people now that it is not happening? Zach Levine is our future. And for them to just kind of look elsewhere, we're at the club right now telling them to shoo away from our committed relationship to Zach Levine. We're just going to go out and get Zach Levine. That's hilarious. Portland, That's the- Portland, the Warriors, the Lakers, all these teams, they're all just like, Oh, I don't know. You know, why don't we just, um, I don't know, uh, Norman Powell uh, and uh, a pick for Zach Levine. <laughs> uh, no, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> wow, that's hilarious, frankly. It's the best way to put it. That is, that's hilarious. No, I, I don't think Zach Levine's going anywhere. He'll <laughs> make it work with an extension. He's made clear he wants to be the guy in Chicago. He's probably out there recruiting Bradley Beal. Well, actually, Bradley Beal's got COVID. It's so probably not him right now, but – any other guys on Team USA, he's telling them how great an executive Arturis Karnaschovas is, how great a city of Chicago is, how great a coach Billy Donovan is to play for. He's getting in their ears and trying to get them to come to Chicago. That's Zach Levine. So, no, he's not going to go for – he's not going to get traded to the Lakers for a bag of peanuts and a get-well card. I, no, I heard, yeah. he's going to be in Chicago. Kuzma, KCP, uh, no. and <laughs> what no. are you – Get out of here. You don't understand how good this guy is. That's all I got to say is no. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, final one for you. Uh, Nick Schultz here uh, from the Believe in Bulls podcast here on Bet on Chicago. Uh, this is the first NBA draft the Chicago Bulls are taking off in a long time. Or are they? What's your take on can the Bulls get involved? Do you think they could possibly trade back into this first round? And if they do trade back in the first round, how high up can they get into the first round without making the price be exorbitant? I said it since the lottery, and I'm going to keep saying it until Thursday night when the Bulls pick in the first round. They're going to trade up into the first round or trade into the first round some way, shape, or form. I think it's going to be about the 20th pick. It won't be like they're not going to trade for the top overall pick from Detroit. They're going to trade maybe 20th overall. I could see Tomas Sadoransky being a part of that, depending on the team. And I could see if they move up that high, Io is going from Champaign to Chicago. That's my prediction. I've been high on Io DeSumo for a while. I think we talked about that around March Madness. Yeah. And I think him coming in would be a good fit for like a backup point guard maybe or, you know, like a Kobe White type or kind of a combo guard maybe. But I think you could see Io DeSumo in Chicago. I read that Joe Cowley had that name out there today too. So I could see that. That's my big prediction. They trade up to about – 20 or so and draft Iota Sumo. 
that would be really interesting and also a little bit of a hometown flavor, which we would like. I say, to wouldn't watch. that be such a cool story? This so, guy leads right. Illinois to all the success last year, and then they got bounced by my Loyola Ramblers. I just want to throw that out there that my my Ramblers beat Illinois to make Sweet Sixteen. Um, but anyway, uh, that'd be a great story with what he did in Champagne for him to go to Chicago and be great up there in the NBA. It'd be an, and he's from Chicago. He went to Morgan Park. Like, what better story can you find? So it'd be great for the story, and he's a great player. So I, that's my my bold prediction is you're going to see Io DeSumo in a Bulls uniform next year when they trade into the first round for him. And, yeah, gosh, that opens up a lot of possibilities, too, of what the Chicago Bulls could do. So even if it's not him, per se, right, if they're looking for just a targeted player, they can kind of hang around and just sort of see – where that player sort of falls and let that maybe dictate what decision they do or do not make. Cause let's just say the type of player that they want, they think it's going to be at 20. What if it slides to 24, 25, you can wait, you can hang mm-hmm. around and kind of wait. And I think Sadoransky is a great call where Sadoransky maybe plus the 38 pick that they have. Or Thaddeus Young, by the way, Thaddeus Young's also on a partial guarantee and they, he'd be easy trade bait to trade. He could do maybe trade higher than 20. I was gonna say, if it's that so, young, I think now you're maybe yeah. thinking about trying to get into the top 12. I don't know if you're getting into the top eight or seven with a Thaddeus Young. But I think 12, I think 12 would even be like the highest you could go. I'd say maybe 15, 14, something like that. But you've, you've got assets, and yeah. I, I think they can do it. And if they can keep that second-round pick, it'd be the, it would show that Gar Pax is officially gone. But also, like that would just be – amazing if they could keep the second rounder i don't think that will happen i think they're either gonna they're gonna pick in one round it's a matter of which one but i really think they're gonna end up in the first round somehow gar pax will never be gone we just saw cameron Payne go up against bobby portis in an nba finals um so <laughs> bobby portis nba champion yeah the only reason why i said 12 for that is just because i feel like i feel like he has more value now than when he did when he signed with us in the first place mm-hmm. i think last year again another situation where all the blogs in the world that maybe don't necessarily watch other basketball aside than their own team attached Thaddeus Young to a trade to their respective franchise at every single turn that they got. And every single one was like a bag of beans for Thad Young. I just think he's a really coveted veteran right now. And he is also one of those guys that maybe in that 12, 13, 14 area, a team that's trying to maybe get back in the mix at a guy like that. You know, the Jay Crowders of the world are kind of in vogue right now. You know, maybe mm-hmm. he can be that type of guy that might be able to get us that kind of value. I like Thad Young a lot, but if it is for a pick that gets you kind of sniffing the lottery a little bit, I guess you have to think about it. I'd say the same thing I'm saying about the Cubs trading Chris Bryant and Craig Kimbrell. You got to get something for him. You got to make it worth it. Otherwise, don't do it. Oof, this has been this has been a ton of fun, Nick. I, I do want to ask you maybe one more Chicago-based question. And I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase it right now. What do you think is the most interesting story going on in Chicago sports right now? Is it Justin Fields? Is it the Chicago White Sox perhaps becoming a World Series contender? Is it the Chicago Cubs trading everybody? Or is it the week that the Blackhawks just had? Oh, man. Well, it's definitely not the week the Blackhawks just had. But, no, I think the best story in Chicago is the White Sox. Because what they're doing is amazing, especially with Aloy Jimenez coming back, Luis Roberts probably coming back soon. My prediction is Tony LaRusso is going to win manager of the year. The most interesting story in Chicago is Justin Fields. 
especially with that second preseason game against Buffalo, where it's Fields versus Trubisky. Or I'm sorry, Fields versus Trubinsky, depending on who you ask on sports radio. So I'm, I'm, ex- I'm saying go Bears. I'm a Cubs fan, so go Bears. Someone at I was I was working at the bar last night, and we were watching the Cubs game, and they were losing, and they're like, "So what do you think about the Cubs?" I'm like, "Go Bears." They're like, season hasn't started. Training camp starts tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. What's the uh, what's the line in Ferris Bueller's day off? Is like, uh, what's the score? It's tied. Nothing, nothing, Who's nothing. winning? The Bears. <laughs> yeah, that's, my, that's my attitude anymore. I'm like, just bear down. I wore my Soldier Field shirt the other day. <laughs> I'm, just, uh, I'm getting into football mode. Uh, opinions evolve all the time. I'm not going to back you into a corner. But as it stands right now today, what week does Justin Fields start? Uh, I've been saying week five, week four. But week four is October third against the Lions, I believe. That's an interesting yeah. and that's a good landing spot. I agree. And I wouldn't start in week one against Aaron Donald, but at the same time you can make the argument, oh, throw the kid to the wolves, see how he does. But it's in prime time on Sunday night football. You're not uh uh-uh, uh, don't do that to the kid. I'd say either week two or week four. Depends on how Andy Dalton looks. Uh, so first off, I'm going to the game, Bears Rams. I'm going to SoFi for week one. I'm very excited. And I'll be honest with you, as much as I would love to be there for Justin Fields' first game as a professional, I think the Red Rifle, or as I call him, the Cincinnati Ginger Snake, needs to be under center for that game. I think the Bears fans probably need to temper their expectations for that particular game. Um, And then the week after that, they play the Bengals. I kind of like Dalton in that matchup, right? That's a revenge du jour against a team that's very, very beatable. The week after that's the Cleveland Browns. You know, great defense. Miles Garrett. Yeah, Miles Garrett, you know, but yeah, yeah, good defense. I mean, they're going to run the ball a whole lot. I mean, I think that's a game where you can put Andy Dalton in and you can be competitive and perhaps come out with a win. And then after that, I think the clock really starts ticking and that sand in the hourglass really starts kind of siphoning down and we start looking at when it's going to be the right time for Justin Fields to hit the hit the field. Literally, as we're talking here, I have my tweet deck open and I've got tweet uh, doing press conferences at Bears training camp and. Uh, Khalil Max talking about how Sean Desai has the same mind has some of the same mindset Vic has, so the defense might be back. Just saying. <laughs> I'm excited, man. I, this is you got a quarterback and everyone else sucks. So yeah, I'm excited. Well, you know <laughs> what? Attitude. You know what's really interesting is I I'm just it's 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 a sports relationship, right? And we just broke up with Mitch, and we had four years to be with Mitch. And we liked Mitch because Mitch is a good guy, but deep down in our hearts, we knew that he wasn't really the dude, right? And now that it's kind of like this new lease on life a little bit, last year there was so much pressure. Just remember, like, at the end of last year, people were boycotting the Bears. I'm not watching another game until McCaskey's out. I'm not watching another game until Ted Phillips, Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy. Go down the list. All those guys are still there, and yet now with Justin Fields on this team, it feels like a new lease on life. And it's fair to say that I don't think anyone on the planet or in the Chicagoland area thinks the Bears are going to win the Super Bowl. And for once, that's actually okay. Like, we're okay with that this year because of the now the possibilities of the future. And look, it's it's weird. It might not lead to uh, the funnest season to watch this year. But like you said, it's going to be damn interesting, right? And I think that's something that the Bears fans can really look forward to. And there's excitement again. So just start that clock over, that five-year window of a quarterback. Let's just do it again, baby. You know, and I don't, I don't know how much Bears you want to talk about here, but I was listening to Waddle and Sylvie yesterday, and Sylvie brought up a really good point. 
he's he asked, would you take 11 and six and make the playoffs with Andy Dalton? Or would you take seven and 10 and miss the playoffs with Justin Fields? I'm taking seven and 10, miss the playoffs and Justin Fields. I agree with him. Like that's what, that's what he was saying. Like, I agree with that hundred percent. I care more about the future. I don't care what Andy Dalton does. I, I didn't like, I didn't like Andy Dalton coming into the bears in the first place. I'll take seven and 10 and miss the playoffs, but with Justin Fields looking good, then 11 and six with Andy Dalton starting every game and making the playoffs. Now, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace might have the other answer, but they're fighting for their jobs. I want them gone. That yeah. works out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, well, I'm glad. Uh, so, yeah, I'm glad that was cleared up a little bit because I didn't want to be semantic about it where the, the, the number is one thing. For me, it's not even about numbers this year. It's all about what you just said, look and feel, right? Like if we, if Justin Fields comes in and loses whatever, let's say he starts six games and he loses every single game. He goes 0-6, but every single game is 34-30 to or you know what I mean? Or he comes in and he, he shows that potential because this is what happened with the Chargers and Justin Herbert last year. The Chargers were terrible, but Justin Herbert kept him in every single game. And me and you were sitting there on Sunday clicking on red zone, watching these Charger games in the fourth quarter because they're so exciting. I I want that, right? I want mm-hmm. the look. I don't want the numbers. you know. So that's where I guess maybe like if you lose five or six games next year, maybe that draft pick that you're sending back, you know, maybe that doesn't look so awesome. Maybe now, like, moving on in the future, I don't think it's going to be that bad. But I am in agreement with you on that assessment. As much as I would love one last rodeo for the Cincinnati Ginger Snake, I would probably prefer to see Justin Fields uh, get out there and just learn learn the ropes a little bit. And let's really figure out. That's the other thing, real quick, is we need Justin Fields out there because I just want to see him mesh with Allen Robinson. I'm not taking anything away from Allen Robinson. I love him. He can run every route in the book, every route in the tree. He makes plays. He's there. He's the man. I want to give him a ton of money. But we sort of need to figure out how he plays with Justin Fields, right? Before we give him that $20 million a year that he wants. Let's see how Dave Montgomery plays with a really, really lightning-quick quarterback now. If we're always going to ding Dave Montgomery and not having top-end speed, let's see him play with that really fast quarterback. Let's see Cole Komet. With Justin Fields. I don't care how many ca- passes he catches from Andy Dalton. How many passes did he catch from Justin Fields? I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement on that. Exactly. That's what we got to look for. And I'm, I can't believe I'm looking forward to the first preseason game, but I am. I usually don't care about preseason football, but here I am. Like, give me the first preseason game. Let's go. I'm ready. Preseason's back, baby. Nick Schultz joining us here. He's the host of Believe in Bulls right here on Bet on Chicago. Nick, before you leave, please tell the good listeners how they can obviously check out Believe in Bulls and the Believe Podcast Network, but just talk about all the other stuff. You have so many different roles. You hustle so hard. Tell them about your socials. Tell them how to catch you on the radio. All that good stuff. Yes, you can obviously check out Believe in Bulls on uh, Believe Podcast Network. I usually drop every Wednesday. This week we're doing Friday because of the draft and because I work on draft night and because I wanted to take time to talk to you, Joey. It's just always so fun. I figured I'd just clear my schedule for you. Um, I got that. I got that. I do live radio on WLUW through my alma mater, Loyola Chicago, every Sunday at 11. Um, I run my own college basketball blog, which has been kind of dormant this offseason, but I'm bringing it back, called out the inbound. And I'm breaking some news here on your podcast, Joey. I'm starting a new job, a freelance job, with Saturday Tradition covering Illinois and Northwestern football along with other Big Ten teams. That's starting soon. I just filed my first pitches. So really excited to get that going. So I'm wearing a lot of hats, but, hey, the grind doesn't stop. You know, I went to school for this. I'm used to the grind, and 
I'm excited to get back into writing for sure. So a lot going on around here and you know, it's a lot of fun though. I enjoy every minute. Dude, congratulations so much on that gig. Hopefully uh, my, my football team, my college football team, the Northwestern Wildcats give you something to write about all fall long. And uh, dude, just so happy for you, man. Thank you so much for always taking the time. I love getting your perspectives. I loved cutting it up with you and talking to you. You work super hard, man. So you got a fan in me always and a supporter. Thank you so much for coming on. Joey, it's always a blast. Thanks for having me. We'll do this again soon, I'm sure. Yes, please. Today's episode of Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Make sure you go on your mobile devices, sign up. You get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is pretty good. So head there right now. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Have a great rest of your week. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.